From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 258. Today's show is brought to you by Linode, Pingdom, and Eero. My name is Mike Hurley. It is still the summer of fun. Summer of fun! And I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hi, Mike Hurley. You know, so my wife does uh, library programs for kids in the summer, and because school is about to start here, she's been talking about how basically her summer is over now, and she's moving into school Mm. time. Mm -hmm. And I am fascinated by this because I have, uh, you know, if we go by the weather, I've got like a good two plus months of summer weather left. So it's funny where like parts of our house... Uh, my wife and my son, their summer is over this week. Uh, for other parts of my house, me and my daughter, the summer stretches ever onward. And for Upgrade, that much I think it stretches stretches on for a few more weeks. So. Yeah, so we got today's episode, which is fun in that there was no real news. So we've got some stuff for you. This is this is true summer of fun where we're bringing together some little topics. Yeah. And next, <laughs> week, grab bag. Yep. next week, I'm going to be in Memphis... Yes, we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do something uh, hopefully with Stephen Hackett and Mac mm-hmm. related that is yet yes. to be determined. But Stephen and I, I saw Stephen last week. We talked about uh, the idea of doing something, uh, bring bring somebody on who's um, more. I, again, you get you get a bad rap. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. I was gonna say bringing someone on who cares about the Mac. That's not true. You care about the Mac. You care about the iPad. I do. I, there is this like mentality. I have these moments that... too where people will say like. Oh, you know, these people who are like iPad people, like Federico, I'm like, fair. And Mike, and I'm like, hmm. And Jason, I'm like, eh. Uh, like, I, I, I'm very clear that I'm team both, but I team think both. it's like, well, but but you, I use a, like you, I have like big iMac that I work at, at my desk all day. And then I got an iPad that I use mobile. I'm using both of them. But I, it is very easy to say, oh, you're one of those Mac people or you're one of those iPad people. It's like, no, I'm both. We are iPad advocates. We are not iPad exclusives. Exactly. Oh, that, I like that. I like that. So anyway, but but Stephen loves loves the Mac yes. uh, going back in, in at a level that I perhaps do and you perhaps don't. Yeah. And, uh, and so having you in Memphis... Give us a little uh, barbecue flavor right there, mm-hmm. and then uh, throw in Stephen Hackett, and uh, you, you're roasting up some barbecued masks. Roasting up I some don't know trash cans, uh, and then the week <laughs> after, it is very possible that I will be recording in person at the Snell Zone right here. with the lasers right here in the Snell Zone. It mm-hmm. is that's what we're hoping to do is in in person mm-hmm. uh, in in my office episode of Upgrade. And then, would be, what would be more fun than that for the summer I of fun? Think, as horrifying as this sounds, the week after, which would be the first week of September, we are expecting to be drafting by then. Yeah, that right? would be the the big fade out of the summer of fun, right? It would be that the last the hurrah. The summer of fun would be drafting wow. for the iPhone event, assuming the iPhone v- event is the the week following. Yep, which I think it will be. Uh, Honestly, I would imagine it, September 10th will be the iPhone event, right? So. If we're not drafting on the 26th, which I seem as unlikely, we'll be drafting the 9th. I, c- I can't imagine them releasing the iPhone in October, and that will be the situation otherwise. So uh, we're, we will very likely be draft. We have like two more Summer of Fun episodes, and then it's iPhone draft. So Back to there's a Summer business. of Fun update. Um, that nobody asked for, but we gave to you anyway. We have a hashtag Snell Talk question from James, and James wants to know, how often do you change the wallpaper on your iPhone, iPad, or I will add in, or Mac? We just talk about the Mac. What about that one too? Um, infrequently. 
is what I would say. I I change them infrequently. I um, have been using the stock. It's actually really funny because people see it and they're like, "Where did you get that wallpaper on my iPhone?" <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And it's the it's the six color Apple rainbows yep. uh, going across, and um, that's a stock wallpaper in iOS 12. <laughs> you can just pick it, and it's with a black background is the one I've got. So that's that's on my iPhone. I've got a bunch of uh, great photography from the Apollo missions that I use frequently. So like my lock screen on my iPhone is actually an astronaut. I I think it's an Apollo 11 shot on the surface of the moon, which looks really great with the OLED display, especially because the blackness of space is super black on the OLED. And uh, likewise on my, on my iPad, I've got a, I've got the Earthrise picture from Apollo. uh, That's the, you know, the nice blue earth over the moon, which is great. And uh, on my Mac, I and and I like I do change them, but it's pretty rare. The Summer of Fun is my backdrop on my iPad, by the way, right now. The upgrade mm-hmm. Summer of Fun uh, image because it's still the Summer of Fun. So th- I guess that'll be changing in a few weeks. And on my Mac, I generally change it once every you know few months, but it's not it's not that often. Currently, I'm actually using an app um, called oh what's it called Downlink, which we actually it's downlinkapp.com. Uh, a a listener to many of our podcasts, including Liftoff, Anthony Colangelo wrote it, and it downloads oh, uh, satellite photos from the uh, from the the uh, high resolution satellite that is over the Western Hemisphere. And so I have a a shot of California. It's basically from California in the upper right corner. I mean California, the Western U.S. in the upper right corner, and Western Mexico as well. All the way down the bottom left is Hawaii. And so it's the Pacific Ocean, and and that that updates every ten minutes or something, which is kind of cool. So I'm actually using that right now, a, kind of a live desktop. How about you? Um, I very infrequently change my wallpapers. Um, like on my lock screen is a is a photo of me and Nadina from our wedding on my iPhone. Uh, on my iPad, I have it match up, and I was using for a long time on both of my iPads. I was using different. Uh, Mac wallpapers from Stephen's uh, 5K resolution right. Mac wallpapers thing, right? Because I thought that was kind of cute um, and it was funny to me, so I did that. But uh, I changed the Summer of Fun wallpaper on everything. So my iPhone has currently got the Summer of Fun wallpaper there we and go. both of my iPads. But I didn't like the way it looked with dark mode. So then I updated on my iPads to a picture at the beach. So I just like a picture of the beach is what I now have on my iPads, but my iPhone is still rocking the summer of fun uh, wallpaper. I think it might look better on um, the uh, on the iPad OS now because originally when you use dark mode up until like the last beta, um, it would automatically dim the uh, well, like consistently dim the wallpaper for you. But now it does it based on ambient light. So I should try and see what it looks like now. It's like sometimes now if you've got enough light around you and using dark mode. It doesn't do anything to your desktop wallpaper. It will only do it if you're in like a dark environment now. So I might try that out again. It might look better. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. All right. Uh, if you would like to send in a question like James did to start an episode of Upgrade, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, and we will be able to consider that for a future episode. Jason, uh, I believe that the term follow-up is defined by um, corrections sometimes of uh, yeah. things from previous shows as well as additional content. Would you like mm-hmm. to provide a correction from a previous show? 
Yeah, I should uh, do this. Um, Mike, you, in in the last episode, you said that the Apple Card was introduced at Worldwide Developer Conference mm-hmm. in June, but it was actually at the, I think you'll find, at the Spring Services event, not at WWDC. I don't know how you could make such a horrible mistake. Thank you for your corrections, voice. <laughs> that is wacky, vo- listener wacky voice. Uh-huh. And... Um, yeah, nobody mentioned this. We noticed it zero. after we released Literally the episode. Zero. Literally, you and I were like, whoops. Well, that uh, we're going to be getting people correcting us all week. And nobody, I think everybody's at the beach. So I'm correcting it for us. No, um, I have my own theory about this. I think that just like everybody else, actually, I've just found the, the definition of follow-up. Follow-up is a means of continuing a previously discussed topic or correcting things from a previous episode. That is from right. follow-ups creator John Syracuse. I wrote that Amazing. down somewhere, and now I've checked it. So there we go. We have the correct That's definition. That's good. So your your theory, Mike... My theory is that everyone was as confused as I was. As yes. confused as we are. Yeah, okay, fair. That's that's probably what it is. But anyway, it was at the Spring Services event. I remember, because I heard it when I was editing the show, where I was saying, oh, I have literally zero memory of them debuting at WWDC. <laughs> well, that's why, because they didn't. Smart man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyway, so that's our self our self correction. Our mm-hmm. self own for the for the episode is we got that wrong. But uh, I still don't have an Apple card, Mike. So you know who knows. I, I hear it's it's interesting. I mean, actually, what I hear is it's a credit card. Did you apply for? I it? think I signed up for the uh, for the like. Let me know. So you'll be able to apply at some point by the end of the month, basically. I guess. If you're interested in what it looks like, uh, MKBHD made a video about it. I was surprised that I didn't see more videos. Like, I read a bunch of articles, like when we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks or whatever. Um, but I was surprised I hadn't seen any videos. Well, if you want to see an unboxing of the Apple Card, which I actually just do think looks really cool, uh, MKBHD has got yeah. a video for you. Mike, the reason is that most YouTubers are too young to be able to qualify for credit cards. Sorry, I had to. Is this if we turn this into to Jason's comedy special? I was, was going to say the reason is that most YouTubers have such bad credit they can't qualify for an they Apple card. That seems meaner. That no, seems like, meaner. I think yeah. that they de- if they're successful, they definitely they do. do not. Uh, they have good credit. I'm very sure. Uh, it is August. Do you know what that means, Jason? Uh, summer of fun. Summer of membership. Relay FM oh. membership time. It's happening. We only really it, the Relay FM membership is something that exists all year round. You get perks as a Relay FM member all 365 mm-hmm. days of the year. But we talk about it in August and into September. Uh, it's the only time we talk about it every year. This year does mark five years of Relay FM, so it's an extra special year for us this year. If you are a Relay FM member. Uh, the you get access to a bunch of wonderful perks like a monthly behind the scenes newsletter and Relay FM host crossover podcast that you can only get as a Relay FM member. You get 5K desktop wallpapers of your favorite Relay FM shows. Memberships start at just five dollars a month, and this time of year is extra special because this is when we are publishing our members specials throughout August and September. You're going to get a bunch of wonderful member specials with wild and wacky things. I am attempting to do really different stuff this year, so trying to like make stuff that's not uh, as per my my usual types of shows. I'll be talking about more of those specials. Uh, I published one already, which is something that me and Brad, uh, the pen addict, did last year, and we're doing it again. We built a Lego set together, but the difference is. Right. Brad has the pieces and I have the instructions. All right. It took four and a half hours. Uh, it's it's there if you want it. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's one yep. of those things you just put on in the background. You just let us go throughout the day and you can hear me say things like two by four flat piece if you want to hear that. But 
Don't let anybody else know about this, Jason. Don't tell anyone okay. else. Just between you and me. The crown jewel is the Cortex Upgrade crossover special. Mm, of course it is. The text adventures that we do every year. This is our fourth text adventure, and it's going to be coming out on Friday, August 16th. That is this Friday. We're going to have a trailer at the end of this week's episode. It is called Danger Town Beatdown. Mm-hmm. It is a cop. Like, was it 80s cop? It's like an 80s cop movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. It has probably taken about 20 hours of editing, uh, which is, you know, why I call it the crown jewel, because I have to put all that work into it, so I'm going <laughs> to justify it somehow. I am so happy with the way that this one came out. I think it might be my favorite of all that we've done. Uh, if not, it's like tied with Six Gun Showdown, which was the, our first, so it was like mm-hmm. special for that reason. This is so fun. We will play a trailer at the end of the show. You can get it. If you want to become a Relay FM member to get your hands on all of this special stuff, so all of these perks, and also to support some of your favorite shows, you can click the link in the show notes, which you can find at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 258, or it should be in your podcast app of choice. There's a button click. You can click a link right there, and you can open up and become a member and support this show. But if you want to learn more and support other shows, you can go to relay.fm slash membership. So it's right there. If you use uh, some apps, I think like Overcast does this, like on the main screen, there's a little green icon with a money symbol in it. You can tap it and it will go, take mm. you right there to sign up. You can use Apple Pay as well now. So super simple. You can become a Relay FM member. If you do, thank you so much. And we really, really hope that you enjoy uh, the benefits that we, that we give. I'll add uh, one more inducement, which is for people who want to hear me talk about a, uh, a movie Stephen Hackett and I, for for liftoff, we'll take often a space-themed film of some kind mm. and discuss it. And this year, we are taking a highly uh, profitable, <laughs> um, super scientifically accurate film and talking about it. It's <sighs> Armageddon. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I I I saw Armageddon once and vowed never to see it again. But guess what? I'm going to break that vow, and we're going to watch Armageddon and talk about all the things about it that are probably bad. I who knows? Maybe it's great. Maybe I'll think that the science in it is great, and that that scene where Bruce Willis says, "Look, I'm not saving the Earth for you. I'm saving it for my little girl." Maybe that scene will be just amazing this time. We'll see. <laughs> Relay.fm slash membership. You can find out more. But if you want to support this show, just click the link in the show notes and yeah. you'll be able to do that. And we'll really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Should we do some upstream? Yeah, I think so. There's <laughs> some stuff happened in streaming, like right mm. after we did our show yesterday or last week. Yeah, it, it, it was fast. Luckily, we spoke about it and knew it was going to happen anyway. Uh, yes. You were completely spot on the money. Disney are offering a bundle of Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu, the ad supported version of Hulu, for $12.99 a month. I've seen many people say this, uh, and I think that they might be right, uh, that this has basically changed everything for everyone. Um, It will be available immediately on November 12th, which is the day that Disney Plus launches. You'll be able to sign up for that. Uh, Jason, 
what do you think? Like, it's, I mean, I've seen a lot of comments, and, and 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 I think it's an interesting take to make that like the streaming wars are over <laughs> now that Disney are offering this. I mean, Disney, Disney. It'll be interesting to see the uptake. The awareness of this service is is pretty high. I'm somebody who pays for Hulu without ads, and so I'm kind of curious if that will be bundled at a different tier, or yeah. whether there will be a bundle for that or not. Because I'm not really interested in Hulu with ads. I'm interested in Hulu without. Or that maybe you can take the twelve ninety nine and give Hulu an extra dollar or two, and you get rid of the ads or whatever it is. Yeah, who knows what that is? And and it's so there's a bunch of things going on here. So um, the bundle, we knew it was happening, and Disney was so aggressive with Disney Plus that we knew that they would keep that aggression with any bundle price that they did. I think what's interesting here is they're putting their three services together. I would. Uh, it may be that all the bundle that they offer is the three services together rather than, you know, I, I, I get one and then I get another one. And it may also be that in terms of the price, getting the bundle is better than getting two. And uh, that's some interesting kind of mechanic there about how, how it, it increases the overall viewership of all three of those even if you only really get it for two of them. And I think that that uh, maybe has has some long-term benefits to Disney. For those who don't know, because we only talk about it sporadically, and I've definitely heard people confuse this, ESPN Plus is not the ESPN channel from cable. It's it's a uh, different set of sports content. Uh, they have been making deals with sort of niche sporting leagues and things. Uh, there's some college football on there and college basketball on there. It's stuff that's not on ESPN. They have like original documentaries and dramas mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they they do have uh, other content too. So it's definitely a sports thing, but it's not just sort of the ESPN channel that's on your cable. It's a mm-hmm. different kind of thing. And then there's Hulu. So... Um, yeah, I think this is Disney pushing. It's consistent with the price they gave to Disney Plus, but it's extending that across ESPN Plus and Hulu. And you know, definitely the reactions I saw were mostly just this is a no brainer. Like, well, sure, of course, for that price, which is by no mistake, no mistake, right? It's like a Netflix price, except you get their three services instead of just Netflix, which is it's fascinating. We'll see how it works and uh, how people react to it, but. It's hard not to look at at Disney's aggression here and expect them to sign up a lot of people. Then the real question is, as they start to crank the uh, the price up, how do yep. how do they get? Will they have convinced people that they can't live without it, so that they stick with it? Uh, Disney also announced that they're going to be reimagining some Fox classics like Home Alone and Cheaper by the Dozen for Disney Plus. Yeah, this is an interesting story because what what's really happening here is Disney looked at the uh, longer term planning from the Fox movie studio and basically put most of the content that was happening down the road and just kind of said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. So, so it's, it's very much, we, we took over. We don't like the movies that you're planning. (laughs) Um, We're going to reallocate a bunch of stuff. Obviously the X-Men movies are going to Marvel studios and they actually picked out a few of these franchises from the Fox library that might have been, part of the film slate i don't know if these uh if these films were uh in possibility going to be made or remade in uh, at fox mm-hmm. but what disney did is somebody went through the fox library and said i think these would make good disney plus tv shows so i don't know how home alone is a tv show is he always home alone 
or is it or is it like uh, one of these like money heist or something where there's like an eight episode season, which is the, essentially the uh, whole roller coaster of him being left home alone? I figured I it might be know. a movie. Like I, I don't think they all have it to be, be seasons. It, it, they, right? They could be. They could just be movies instead of series. I don't know. There's there's possibilities. <laughs> it could be an anthology series of just different children being various left kids home. left home alone. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea. So, but but it is. You can see what Disney's doing here, which is Disney is methodically kind of rifling through the intellectual property that it has and that it has acquired and finding stuff that it thinks might fly on Disney Plus. And then they will also reconceptualize like what Fox as a studio is doing down the road now that they're in charge of it. But this is uh, part of a kind of this larger consumption of Fox by Disney that's that's going on. I think it is interesting that they they Disney Plus is such a priority that they had somebody uh, basically rifling through the uh, couch cushions at Fox and like, oh, Home Alone, Disney Plus, <laughs> take it away. And that's what they're doing. We had an ask upgrade question from Rajiv, which I'll ask now. Um, do you think Apple will have to discount Apple TV Plus uh, as a price or bundle it in with other services to remain competitive, especially in light of uh, Disney's announcement? Well, keep in mind when they announced Apple TV Plus at no WWDC. No, they didn't. No, I'm just, I was testing you. Mm-hmm. I was testing you. No price. When they announced Apple TV Plus at the <laughs> Spring Services Very event. Yeah, I didn't notice that. But uh, you got me uh, again. Of course you didn't. I, I'm sure a, li- a listener has already written in, though. Uh, Excuse me. <laughs> no, it's 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 uh, it was it was Mike. Um, when they announced Apple TV Plus at the services event, uh, they didn't mention bundles and they didn't mention a price. And then Disney announced what their pricing was. So I think this is one of those things. As disappointing as uh, as it was for all of us to not have Apple talk about its pricing strategy. It was so smart for them not to do that because they have had the whole summer to think about what their pricing is and what their, uh, forgive the phrase, go-to-market strategy is with Apple TV+. Plus. They've had a lot of time to think about it. And I don't know what they're going to do because part of me thinks it's Apple. They're going to price it way more than you want because that's the rule of Apple pricing is that it gets priced way more than, mm. than you want. Um, part of me thinks they want to be aggressive because they want people to sign up for this thing and they want to increase their services revenue, but they also want to get a lot of people to try it. So, you know, my, my best guess is that it will be bundled with Apple music and it, they'll be pretty aggressive about it. It wouldn't surprise me if they bundle it with another channel, if that makes sense. If they say like, get Apple TV and one channel of your choice for this price. Mm. And it could be HBO or mm-hmm. Showtime or Stars or what, Epics or whatever they want to do. They could do something like that. And they'd obviously yeah. be kicking most of that money back to the partner, but they would be able to offer kind of like uh, more content for the, for the price. Because Apple's only really got, as far as we know, only got these originals. They don't have a catalog of any kind, which is a, a tough sell. Uh, But if I had to guess, it would be that they will be aggressive in bundling it with Apple Music, that it'll be the cost of an Apple Music subscription plus uh, a few dollars. And the argument they'll make is this is your best deal for getting music and video uh, together. But uh, I don't know. It makes it hard. The, the, Rajiv, the, the short answer is, yeah, they are going to have to do some work They're here. They're going to have to really sell it now. Yeah. Like, yep. Every Especially with no catalog, now. right? It's exactly. like literally we've got some we've got some originals. We've got no back catalog. We've got no movie catalog. As far as we know, we've never seen any reports of that, mm-hmm. and that makes it a, a, a series or a, a service with limited appeal. 
And they're going up against Disney, which has got their whole catalog and a bunch of originals with these, you know, huge franchises behind them. So um, I, I think, honestly, if this is at the iPhone event, and I'm not sure it will be, but it, it may be, that's the best place for it. All eyes are on the iPhone. So if you want to lift your service, you would put it in the iPhone event at the beginning because everybody watches that event. That's the most popular, most watched event Apple does the whole year. Um, they're going to have to... It's going to be one of the more interesting things at the iPhone iPhone event is a price announcement for Apple TV Plus. And I know that seems really weird, but I think it's one of the great mysteries that we have. We have a decent idea of what the iPhone is going to be, but what Apple's doing with Apple TV Plus, we have no clue. And that's kind of exciting. I'm still going to stick on my prediction. I don't even think they're going to do it, but I think they should do it. If you give Apple money for like... Apple Music, Apple News Plus, Apple Arcade, you get Apple TV Plus. That's where I'm going to go with it. Like it comes as like a sweetener for another service. If you're an Apple subscriber, you get access to their shows. Yep. All right. Could be. Talking of, uh, there is a teaser today of The Morning Show, which is the Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell uh, drama show. Uh, it they, it popped out today as like a teaser, really, um, along with a Twitter account, which is The Morning Show. Uh, so that is now a thing that exists. Uh, you can watch the trailer. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it sounds very dramatic. There was basically just audio um, and showing like a walkthrough of a, like a morning show set. There was no yeah. footage. I thought it was supposed to be funny. This is not a funny trailer. No, it, this is not a funny show. People think it's supposed to be a funny show. This is never a funny show. I've seen this set in a bunch of places. This was a drama. This is not a, this is not a comedy. Mm. This was always like pitched as a show that sh- that shows like the stress of this job and of women in this type of environment. Like that that mm. was the kind of the conceit of the show as I remember it. Uh so yeah, but I've seen a lot that like people are confused about where it's the comedy. And I think it, it's not helped by the fact that people look at Steve Corral and they think, oh, it must be, must be joke town, but nope. And, and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that Aniston has done more, right. Or at least. Sure. Well, it, it does, it does a good job of saying this is a dramatic show yes. and perhaps it's a dramedy. Perhaps there's some, some humor in it as well. But the, that, that trailer, which is just sort of images of the, of the sets. Uh, with audio dialogue of audio playing in the background, but um, it's yeah, we'll see. It's it's there. We're getting little clips now, right? The morning show and for all mankind, we've gotten little bits and pieces, so we mm-hmm. ha- we know a little bit more about them now. And that says again, coming in the fall. So your prediction sure. about iPhone event—that's the time they're going to show it, right? It's coming in the fall. Um, and lastly, Netflix has signed a overall deal with David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, who are responsible for Game of Thrones on HBO. Um, this was said to be like a huge bidding war amongst all of the major players with Disney, Netflix, and Amazon fighting the hardest. Uh, it's a multi-year agreement to direct TV shows and movies said to be worth $200 million. And their pair will still be working on their Star Wars movies, though. Yeah, this is like the J.J. Abrams thing. Uh, there's a real question about how focused these guys are going to be since they've got the Star Wars deal. Um, but they, you know, who knows? They, they, they've they got a movie for 2022 that's a Star Wars movie, and they're supposedly writing and producing more after that with them. And this is a deal that, you know, is before this, precedes this. So 
I don't know. It, are they going to be distracted like J.J. Abrams was for his overall deal? Um, but it's the fact is that Netflix, Amazon, and Disney were all bidding for these guys because of Game of Thrones, and Netflix decided uh, they were gonna they were gonna put Bid up hardest. the money. So yep. yeah, so they got them. Yep. There is this strange like cause we were talking about this with JJ, right? Like this idea that like if I if somebody's done something once that they can definitely do it again. And that's not always the case, right? No. I, I would also say J.J. Abrams is a, I think, a much better person to be to make a deal with than Benioff and Weiss because Benioff and Weiss's track record is essentially they ran this show that became a huge hit, so they had a hit. Do mm-hmm. we have any real evidence that they can do it again? I don't think we do. So it's a bigger gamble. J.J. Abrams has produced. He's produced a bunch of movies and TV shows that have been successful. He's written a bunch of movies and TV shows that have been successful. He's directed a bunch of movies and TV shows that have been successful, right? So he's a he's a writer, director, producer uh, with a big track record and his production company name that and his production attention. company expands even beyond that, right? Yeah. Like the whole thing, and and you know, not everybody loves J.J. Abrams' stuff, but I'd say he's a pretty good bet because he's shown that he's not just. Uh, somebody with like one talent, but that he's got a bunch of talented people around him, and he he and his production company have clearly got a sense for uh, how to develop shows and develop movies. And Benioff and Weiss and I I liked Game of Thrones a lot, but I don't see a track record there. So this is a real risk. But I think in today's overheated um, content market, um, the big players who have maybe some money to burn are willing to take that that gamble because what if they can do another game of thrones or two or three then it would be worth it i don't think they can honestly i i i don't think these guys are like gonna go away and never do anything good any anymore but i I, i'm not sure that the fact that game of thrones was a a success it means that everything they do from now on is going to be game of thrones and that's sort of how this deal is priced so you know netflix has got the money so there it is Today's episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud and get everything set up in seconds with your own choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serve their customers with the help of 10 data centers spread across the globe. They're adding more all the time. Mumbai, India, and Toronto, Canada will both have their data centers fully up and running by 4 2020. So it's this year. You're going to be there. You're going to be able to spread further and wider than ever before. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, meaning you'll be able to serve your customers faster than ever before. And you don't have to... Sh- stress about overspending of Linode Evo because they've designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans on add-on services such as backups and no balances so you can be rest assured that you're not going to spend more than you need to or more than you've planned for. Linode have wonderful pricing options to suit everybody. You For just $5 a month, you can get a plan that starts with a server with 1GB of RAM and they offer high memory plans to start with servers with 16GB of RAM or more. And Linode have a special offer for listeners of this show. 
You can go to linode.com slash upgrade and use the promo code upgrade2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. If you get the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that is four free months of Linode service. And they have a seven-day money-back guarantee as well, so you have nothing to lose. Go give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash upgrade, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash upgrade. And the promo code upgrade2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. So we're getting pretty close, right? So we were talking at the start of the show, right, that we reckon we're about three weeks away from an iPhone announcement, which typically would say that we're probably about four weeks away from iOS being released. So about a month mm-hmm. away. And I wanted to kind of check in um, with us both. I'm running uh, iPad OS only. Um, I'm not running iOS on my iPhone yet. Um, and I'm not running the Mac beta or the watch beta or anything like that. Are you running everything? No. Okay, what do you what no. have you got going on right now? So I've got Catalina running in a partition. <laughs> we know about that one. That one we know because <laughs> of security. <laughs> uh but yes, uh, but it's on a it's on one it's on one disk and I've got so I've got an internal and an external and I'm booted right now into Mojave on the external. And then my iPad is running the beta. My iPhone is not although I do have a a loner iPhone that is running the beta, but it's not one I use. And my my Apple Watch remains untouched by betas mm-hmm. because i like my apple watch and i'd like to use it <laughs> so ipad os is probably the beta you're using the most or, or for can- sure yeah because that's on a device which you know you use all the time and it can't be dual booted like the mac right so like right um so what are you thinking about uh the beta cycle right now from a reliability standpoint you know i've heard people say that it's terrible <laughs> And I've heard people say that it's fine. Like I've been seeing all these Steve Stratton Smith tweets that are like, oh, you know, it's fine. It's it's no worse than other ones at this point. And I don't I don't agree with either. I'm in the middle, big surprise. I think I'm in the middle I'm too. I'm not uh, I'm not I don't have an extreme opinion here. I, I iOS iPad OS 13 beta feels like a beta. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's now August and features keep kind of like ducking out and then coming back in various betas. And uh, like there are bugs, the Safari stuff, which is super ambitious that they're doing where they're doing the desktop class browsing. There's a lot happening in Safari and how web pages Mm -hmm. are rendered in iPad OS. And it's still not right. Like it still doesn't work right. It's getting better though. It is getting better, but it's still not complete. And, And I genuinely think this will not be something that's complete in... 13.0 13.0 like this is going to take some time like i have a whole lot if you load a page in holding uh an ipad pro horizontally uh-huh. and you load a page that's a responsive design web page um it loads half the width of the page yeah in a mobile much. view yeah. and then you have to rotate and then yeah. unrotate and then it looks fine and it's mm-hmm. like that's been there that's been there for like a month mm-hmm. at least and that seems like a pretty fundamental bug that has not yet been addressed. So there's stuff like that. The springboard crashes. Springboard crashes are quite frequent. All, all the time, right? You're just like, oh, no, everything goes black and the thing spins and you think, no, this is a disaster. And then it just comes back to the lock screen and you unlock it and it's fine. But uh, that happens a lot. And uh, that all said, I put the beta on it. I use my iPad all the time, including to get work done, <laughs> not just like looking at emails and Twitter and stuff. And I have been able to do that. I have not at any point this summer said, I got to 
revert this iPad or I've got to get my old iPad out. I have had no problems with any third-party apps, right? Like at all. They all work fine. All of the integrations to the system are totally fine, right? Things that they're working on, like files or whatever, it's not breaking anything, right? Like all of that stuff is rock solid. My biggest problem is kind of around uh, basic stuff with the system, like anything to do with multitasking can be super janky. Like I get UI lockups yeah. all the time. Well, like I'm trying to use slide over and it will just stop. I can't slide it back over anymore. Like it just freezes. There's like nothing I can yeah. do to get the window to go away. Keyboard shortcuts, anything to do with like um, command tabbing, going home, all of those, they just stop working randomly and only a reboot mm-hmm. will fix it. And yep. this isn't a bug as such, but kind of just like in how I'm feeling, I cannot get my head around these new text editing gestures. I keep looking at Apple's marketing pages and trying to do what they say I can do, and I cannot get it to work. Like, I, I, to me, it feels like it's just the same as it always was, but I can Yeah, you got to put now. your finger down and hold it for too long and then drag. Because if you do it short, you know, and it's it's a challenge, right? Because putting a finger down and then immediately moving it is a drag, basically. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pause for a moment, but the timing there... You know, if you pause for too long, then it feels like, yeah, like you're basically just yep. dropping the the little uh, loop cursor like you used to. And the multitasking stuff, like trying to open split screen windows from any app that's on the lock screen just does not work, right? Like it just sends them all into the jiggle mode, which doesn't make any sense considering there's that new rearrange windows shortcut. Like I, I cannot take an app from my home screen and put it into multitasking without accidentally cl- opening yeah. a folder, like creating a folder. So that, but that still feels like something that's going to be fixed though. Sure. And some of this stuff, like a lot of this, I could chalk up to performance issues that, you know what, uh, until you're very late in a beta process, I feel like you just got to let some of the performance stuff go. And that's what mm-hmm. I've been doing is just shrugging it off and saying, you know, it's it's not. People always ask when I do beta stuff, uh, uh, how's it? what's the speed like? It's like, don't ask me about speed in a beta. Like, it's not, it, it's not done. It, sometimes the speed is the last thing yeah, it's the polish that they the do. End. Yeah is they got to lock all this stuff down and there's no point in locking it down while it's still in flux. So they wait until the end. So, and, and I'm not really judging here. It, bugs happen in betas and it's fine. That's why betas exist. I will say that it is, this is a combination thing again. It's more usable than I thought it would be, but also more buggy than I expected it would be. Like it, it is, especially now that it is coming up mid-August, it all feels a little bit shakier. And as a an intrepid beta tester, I'm okay with the bugs and I'm glad that I can still use it to get my work done. And so it's like a good mix for me. It, it's a little frustrating, but I, I roll with it. Um, I can't imagine something like this shipping to customers because it is, by the standards of shipping software, it is a complete mess. Uh, but fortunately, it's not shipping yet. Still, if they're shipping it in a month or a month and a half, um, there's a lot of cleanup to be done here. So let's actually talk about that. So features are being pulled out. Shortcuts automation was pulled out, but said it was coming back. iCloud shared folders has been pulled out. It seems like Apple actually reverted a bunch of iCloud kind of system changes, like from 13 to 12, which is kind of interesting, like from the system that they were changing yeah. for iOS 13, they seem to like roll it back. So there's some stuff that's coming in and out. I don't know if that is because um, they don't want to stop the beta process uh, when something is broken. So they just take it out temporarily mm-hmm. 
and keep going. And it's like, you guys are working on it. We're going to take it out in the meantime and we'll put it back in. Uh, Some of this stuff is probably that. um, But I think you also have to keep in mind that this will probably happen all the way up to the final where we've seen it before and it will happen again. And I think it's maybe a healthy thing where the final will yeah. ship and a feature that they announced as being an iOS 13 won't be there. And they'll say that's coming later mm-hmm. and um, because they couldn't get it to work right. And that, that may be the case with some of these features that are being pulled out. But I think it's, I think it's a, a good sign. I, I think it shows some discipline saying this isn't good enough right now. So we're going to just pull it out so that the train can keep moving ahead and we'll put it back later when we're more confident in it. But there is growing concern about this re- this this release from people that pay attention. So I think Federico has been talking and tweeting about this. I heard John Gruber talking about it on the talk show about right. whether Apple are actually going to be able to make the usual dates, right? So this is like a there seems to be a concern that like this feels worse in some ways or in some fundamental ways and it doesn't seem to be getting better at the rate that a lot of observers think that it should be. So there's like a question about would they delay? So I wanted to kind of run through some scenarios with you, Jason, and see what you think is the most likely to occur, right? Mm -hmm. So if they delay iOS, they in theory then need to delay iPadOS, watchOS, and macOS, right? And there's varying issues across all the platforms, but you would assume if they delay iOS, they kind of have to delay the others because there tends to be things that all tie in together and iOS should always come first. Like watchOS, you cannot touch because you actually can't run them out of sync anyway on different versions. iPad OS shouldn't ship if iOS doesn't ship because in theory it also shouldn't be ready. And I can't ever really imagine Mac OS going before iOS because it always goes later. And Catalina doesn't feel particularly uh, more stable and ready to ship than iOS does at this point. I would say I would say Mac OS could ship much later. And, and it usually does. It usually comes in October. Yeah. Yeah, the problem with all of this is that there are features that Apple does that go across all of its platforms that are rolled into a particular version. And so Mm -hmm. Apple would prefer to offer updates to everything more or less simultaneously because if you roll out iOS, but there's no new watchOS, then has iOS been built to assume that it can run with the previous version of watchOS and iPadOS? Like you're you're now asking people to live in a world where one of their devices is upgraded, but the others aren't. And that leads to some issues it, it, it's doable but apple would prefer to like have everybody move in lockstep and they can say well to get this feature upgrade all your devices and then all your devices get this feature um think about something like icloud where they have built in uh and i think it's notable like if you're running catalina or ios 13 and you're using reminders you have the option to upgrade to the new thing um, but you cannot and it sort of syncs with the old version because once you move over, you're in the kind of like the new world now. And and they would they would prefer to avoid that. I do feel like Mac OS could get pushed back fairly easily and often does. And really, if new iPads are coming, they're coming in October, you could probably push that back too. But again, Apple would prefer if you they'd prefer to launch most of this stuff, especially the iOS based stuff, uh simultaneously. T V OS too. Yeah, I I thought of that just a moment ago. I was like, is it what? Yes, it's worth including. Uh, so okay, so let's imagine they delay iOS. Do they delay the iPhone? I don't think they can. Uh, keep in mind, we're about forty days out from when the iPhone will probably ship the new iPhone models. Um, so it's coming. It's coming fast, and 
I don't know. Like there, they have some contingencies here. I think if I were Apple, I would always have some contingency plans for shipping the iPhone. Right. I think personally, I think that you should always have a plan to ship the iPhone. Considering how important it is to them. Right. Like even yeah. like a week's delay, there should be every single year a plan to release it about iOS. Yes. Yeah. So that that's that's what I'm saying is is um if I were Apple, I would have a contingency plan to release the iPhone with a build of iOS twelve in this case. Rather than making iOS thirteen a uh you know, a reason why like a limitation on shipping iPhone. Like, I, I don't think you can do that. I, I don't think you can say, oh, what happens if we have a big iOS 13 problem and it slips? Does the iPhone slip? And the answer, it has to be the iPhone does not slip. So either you have a contingency plan where you ship a special version of iOS 13 that is just on these new iPhones, which seems not ideal, um, or you make sure that the iPhone can run a version of I- a special build of iOS 12. Yeah, because that special build would have to enable any hardware features that get added to the phone, right? Like a triple camera. Right, but Apple has shipped, and this is something that I think people miss sometimes, Apple has shipped special OS builds yes. to enable new hardware for years, for mm-hmm. decades, really. Even just looking at the Verizon iPhone as an example of that. But Sure. You know. Well, it happens all the time. It happens that Macs, Macs ship... Um, out of sync with OS release, and they ship with a special build that enables special hardware. And then the next full-on Mac OS update then brings everybody up to the same version. But if you've ever had that situation where you've tried to uh, install software on an old Mac, and you're like, well, wait a second, this this uh, page on the internet says that it can run this version of Mac OS, and you try to boot off of the disk, and it says, I can't boot off of this. And it turns out, well, it was released mid-cycle with a special build, and if you don't have that build or a later, you can't boot off of that on that hardware. So they do that all the time. So, you know, I think my guess is you always keep around the possibility of enabling those hardware features that are are essential in iOS 12 and that you can ship a late, like the last version of iOS 12 on those phones just to get them out the door in case something bad has happened with iOS 13 that requires that update to come out, you know, a few weeks later. And then if it doesn't happen, then you ship it with iOS 13 and everybody's happy. Because going back to last week's conversation, if Apple don't release their iPhone at the planned time, they will miss their guidance for the quarter. Which is not something they cannot allow to happen. The iPhone is is everything about how they're building them, ramping up the factories. Like they don't want to keep things in in their uh, in their channel. They want to yep. get them out and they want to get them sold. There's going to be a huge pent up demand for them. They can't, you know, they don't want to delay their announcement event. They don't. It's all timed. It's already all timed for for not just when they announce, but like when the they're storing them already at the factory, presumably, and then they ship them and the whole thing is timed. It's orchestrated. Can you even imagine what the amount of money per minute would be that they would be losing? Like I would, no one's ever going to know that, right? But like, what is the amount of money per minute that is lost by an iPhone delay? I bet it is like a hair raising amount of money. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because having these production lines just sitting there, right? Like all of this stuff just stopping, 
right? Or like piling up or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like a wild thing to think about. No, so I think I think it, it's very much in Apple's, and I don't know the the facts here, but I can't see how Apple doesn't have a contingency plan to either have a, uh, I mean, really to have a version of iOS 12 that they can put on it. Yeah, I think that there has to be some option. That would be my expectation. Has to uh, be. I, I am I am starting to like. I believe that it will be either some weird version of thirteen, but that seems less likely. Or that if they, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe it will ship with twelve, and thirteen comes a little later. That that would be super interesting. I mean, the other option is that they find issues with parts of thirteen that they can do what we were just talking about, which is they, they drop out some out. features. Yep. And Apple has not been shy about that about mm-hmm. saying, you know. Th- here are the features of iOS 13 and they put little asterisks on their website that say this is coming later this fall. And they just leave it at that coming by the end of the year, coming later this fall. And um, I wrote a column a couple years ago where I encouraged Apple to approach iOS 13 or approach any of these milestone releases as a cycle. And you can announce the features. Doesn't mean they all have to be there on day one. Maybe some of those features come a couple months later. That's okay. I would rather the update be solid and and uh, and go from there. So I think that would be the ideal thing would be to have a version of iOS 13 that pulled out some of this stuff that isn't working quite right. But I can understand that it, that some of that stuff maybe just you know can't be pulled out, and you know we can't go back to the old version of Reminders, and the Reminder Sync isn't working. Then what do we do? And the answer is just have a version of good old iOS 12 warmed up and put it on the phones, and uh, maybe they initially put them all put that on all the phones maybe that's what's loaded on the phones right now is that version of ios 12 and then if they can do an update to 13 a version that they like they'll do that otherwise they'll ship them and whenever 13 ships those people with those phones will get the note saying here's a new version of ios for you to install and then you install it and it's not the end of the world like it it is not the end of the world to have new iphones ship with ios 12 as long as as long as there isn't a major feature that's not supported, like we have three cameras, but you can only use two of them for the next two weeks, is not great. They can't do that. I'll take a break, and then I want to just lighten all this up by giving a list of things that I love in iPad OS. <laughs> just you know, great. share the love, right? Because I feel like we're, there's a lot of conversation about the bad side, but it's not all bad. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Eero. Eero is a game changer because it means actually being able to access the internet with super fast speeds from anywhere in your house. There's always that one room, that one area of your home that the Wi-Fi connection is a little bit unreliable and nothing is more irritating than having to watch that buffer spinner on your favorite streaming service when you're trying to watch the show that you're interested in. Eero blankets your home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi so you constantly have a strong signal wherever you need it. Setup takes just a couple of minutes. You just plug it straight into your modem or router box. You can even manage it all as well from the super simple app, which lets you do really cool stuff like pausing the Wi-Fi, maybe while while you want to have family time um, and maybe get, you can get alerts where if any device tries to join your network, <laughs> maybe against the recommendations of family time. Eero has fixed all of your Wi-Fi problems. No more dead spots, no more buffering. You can get yours today. You can get your internet at home fixed with fast speeds wherever you want it as soon as tomorrow. Go to eero.com slash ahoy and enter the code ahoy at checkout and you will get free overnight shipping with your order. Jason, could you tell me a little bit about uh, Eero in your home? I have them uh, in various locations in my home. And the nice thing about it is that it's filled the Wi-Fi network in. So if I go in the backyard, I'm covered. 
the uh, weird sprinkler controller that's off on the side of my house it strangely has a Wi-Fi signal. The camera I've got that's in the front of my house has a signal. The, you know, all of these things that are on the periphery of my house that might not have been covered with a single base station are now covered because I've got the uh, the Eero base station and then I've got some Eero beacons in uh, various places and it all just works. It's easy. So as I say, you can go and get your Eero, uh, you can order it right now and you will have it as soon as tomorrow because they're giving listeners of this show free overnight shipping. That's Eero.com, E-E-R-O.com slash Ahoy and the code Ahoy at checkout. You need to use that URL and code to get your hands on this offer. That's Eero.com slash Ahoy and the code Ahoy for free overnight shipping. Our thanks to Eero for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So... I have been using iPad OS uh, for the last few weeks, and I just wanted yep. to talk about some of my favorite things. Um, I think that the added flexibility that iPad OS gives in general is really nice. Um, I think that they've done a great job of bringing to the front a lot more stuff that is great about the iPad, like and and making the operating system sing in those areas. I love widgets on the home screen. I use my widgets way more now because. It's so much easier to get to that information. All I have to do is just press the key on my bridge keyboard to go home or just like, you know, or I just swipe up and they're right there. I don't have to swipe down, then swipe across. Oh, I accidentally swiped on a notification. I don't have to do it like it used to be, right? Like none of that happens anymore. Those widgets are right there. They added in a recent beta that you can just pin as many as you want, right? So like I have like a bunch there. So I have like my calendar, shortcuts, Calzones and Timery, my time tracking, they're right there wherever I need them. And it's made it feel like a much more useful part of the operating system in general to have that information right at my fingertips. Yeah, I agree. I love the widgets on the home screen. I've got the weather. I've got my calendar. It's really nice to have my home screen when I'm you know, just switching between apps and I end up back at the home screen saying, in an hour, you have this event. Like, oh, yeah, right. That's the the next step for me. It's very convenient. And shortcuts there is really great because I have some shortcuts that can just run straight from the widget. Super nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Shortcuts is just it's wonderful to have there too. Um, I really like the new like long press popover previews. So if you have like a, so let's say I have like a link to something in notes, like a tweet or something. If I long press it to be able to bring up the, 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 the contextual menu to copy it, it also brings up a tiny, tiny web browser, which is super useful because if I have like, say like I, I do this a lot with, with the shows, I'll save tweets to my Apple Notes and then I'll take a look at them to bring them into the Google Doc or to remind me of a piece of information. I can now very easily preview all of these just as I would normally try and copy it, which is just much nicer for the iPad because it didn't have peak and pop. So now I'll just long press on it, it pops up, shows me a little preview of what the tweet is exactly, and then I can either copy it or delete it and move on. I love that. It's a great feature to add to the iPad. And I'll be sad if 3D Touch does go away on the iPhone, right? Like the the way that they're doing it now and if it gets a bit weird. But I will take that if it means this continued push on the iPad because I'm happy to have this this kind of functionality there now, this long press functionality. Um, I like windowing uh, with the apps that can use it. I like being able to set up pairs of applications together in kind of what I consider to be little standalone things. And I am really intrigued to see what this is going to look like when all of the apps that I use start using it. Uh, I've seen something uh, in some like video shared in 
by Greg, the developer of Drafts, where he seems to have made a button that can open a window. And I think that that's really interesting. I wonder if developers are going to do that and if it's like something that can ship. Like he has, It looks like he has a button in his UI that can just open another window with the note that you're looking at or like a preview. So that looks really cool. I'm intrigued to see what that sort of stuff looks like. Safari is excellent on iPadOS. As you said, like there are still some parts of it that are a bit wonky in places, but overall, it's amazing. Like I'm so happy with it. Like I actually feel like I'm surfing the real web now, and I re- I feel like now I did not realize how much of it, sort of how much stuff I was not seeing before. I feel like being able to have a full desktop browser on my iPad has shown me something that I wasn't completely aware of, which is super interesting to see that. Um, so I'm really happy to have that. And I've already been able to make use of it in a bunch of places, you know, like stuff like Twitch. I always have problems trying to get the Twitch dashboard to load. And now I can get all of that to load very easily. So that's really amazing. Um, the new pencil stuff in notes works great. It is incredibly responsive. I like the tools, but the latency, I don't know how they're doing it, but it feels absolutely fantastic. You know, I re- again, it's like one of those things where I always felt like the latency was great before, but now it's like, oh, this feels almost uncanny valley. It's so close to real, uh, which is brilliant. I love it. Um, screenshots, the screenshot UI I really like. I like the new editing tools in photos as well. I feel like they kind of go together. What do you think about the editing tools in photos, like the way the UI set out and stuff? I... Uh, I like it. it. It's still a little bit frustrating that it doesn't have all the features that are on the Mac version, but there are way more features there now. There's something like 15 different controls you've got to edit photos. I'm frustrated that Photos still doesn't have a uh, a retouch tool on iOS. Hmm. It's it's maddening that they don't because it, it's in the Mac version, and there are other Mac apps that have a, a, a healing tool, a retouch tool. Perfect for the Apple Pencil, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Pixelmator has it. Um, mm-hmm. You can, you know, open your photos file in Pixelmator Photos and then retouch the photo and then put it back in Photos, which is nice. But why is that feature not in Photos? Uh, but it, it's way better than it has been. It keeps evolving. The iOS version keeps getting more and more capable. It's just there are weird lapses where it doesn't have something that the Mac version has that it probably should have. I love the tiny swipe keyboard. It's interesting. I have not used that even a little bit on my... I mean, I imagine I'll swipe on the iPhone, but on mm-hmm. the iPad, the tiny swipe keyboard has not been a thing that I've even spent any time on. I'll give you a use case for it that I enjoy. This is when I realized I really liked it. If you have two applications open, one is an application where text is being entered. The other is where like com- content is being consumed. You can detach the keyboard and have it in small mode and drag it off to the like one quarter application or whatever. And it doesn't take the key, the software keyboard's not taking up a half of the screen anymore. See what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that. It's just, I'm not sure how I ergonomically, whether I like that using that or not, but it's a, it's a nice idea. Yeah. I use swipe keyboards and Gboard on my iPhone all the time anyway. So I'm really used to that kind of method right. of, of text input. Um, yeah, just so not like, on my iPad. Yeah. You know. So like for, you know, I would use it like, so as I have, I would hold my iPad and then use like my index finger to do the swiping. But yeah, so mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, column view in files is really great. I am so happy to have that. 
Like that is just like thank you. Yes, I need that. And files has a bunch of little improvements in places, like the ability to rename a file when you're saving it from the from the uh, the popover in places, and the ability to open create new folders. Like all of that stuff's really good. Um, they had a feature which was added, which has been removed, but hopefully will come back where you can pin a folder or a file, which means it will always be downloaded. And I hope that that makes its way back because that's just a great feature. And dark mode. I really like dark mode. I think the operating system yep. looks great in dark mode. I was just using it uh, last night because mm-hmm. it. I like how I, I did not want... We were watching a movie and I was looking some things up on the internet and it was su- super bright. And it's like, no, dark mode is better, except for the apps that don't support it yet. But hopefully they will. And uh, yeah, that was... That was uh, uh, it's a good feature. Um, you mentioned files. Files is much more stable now yeah. as the betas have been going along files has been getting a lot better which is I've great i have had way less of pro- way less kind of these problems that i have even with third-party file providers of files not downloading like it's not been happening to me where it was happening every single day on ios 12 so i don't know what exactly they've done to fix that or maybe i just had something going on in my files app that needed to be kicked but it's working way better i'm really happy with that yeah yeah it's 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 we're at the point now where it's like yes I can insert USB drives I can see my local server and files um the external file provider apps aren't 100% but they haven't been updated for iOS 13 yet so I assume that uh, most of them will get there um but it it's that makes the whole iPad experience a little more reliable when you know you have reliable access to your files and you can actually cuz even before like there were lots of times where files would get stalled where you'd think wait a second this it's not showing me the current right thing here um and that's all starting to go away which is great it's much more reliable because files functionality was already pretty good but its reliability was poor and it feels like it's not only more functional but more reliable now so i want to talk to you now about arm laptops um this is the thing that keeps coming up but there was there's a specific reason you uh posted a tweet the other day talking about the tweet says this is why the arm macbook is inevitable And what you were talking about is the Galaxy Book S, which should really be a product that not many people care about because it's just like a Samsung-made ultralight Windows laptop, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I just don't feel like a lot of people that use PCs have the kind of loyalty to their laptop maker in the way that Apple customers do. You know, I can imagine people moving from device maker to device maker more frequently. So the idea of somebody being like excited about the Galaxy Book S just seems like a strange one for me, except until you hear a little bit about what the device has going on. So this was uh, at their Unpacked event where they showed a lot off the new Note 10, which I think looks really cool, but that's maybe a conversation for another day. So this device is using a Qualcomm-made ARM chip. It has integrated LTE because Qualcomm's making it, it is a fanless product, but the thing that is super interesting, which is bonkers to consider, it gets 23 hours of battery life. Yeah. That is Pretty unbelievable. Good, huh? That is absolutely unbelievable. Like, you have taken that to a product where you would feel like your battery never ran out, right? 23 hours of continuous use is not a thing you can do in a day. So as long as you really, like, you could try, but, like, you, you know, you've got other things going on in your life at that point. Um, 
the, if these numbers are accurate, I don't see, you know, Samsung are in the business of being accurate as they can, right? That they, they said they tested it on continuous video playback, 23 hours. I mean, that is, that's unbelievable, right? A laptop with that level of battery life? Yeah, it's that's the that's the dream. This is my my reaction was definitely like here's how ARM laptops look. Here's what Apple could do. Would Apple do it, or would they use all that power savings to reduce the battery even more? It's Apple. Who knows? But this is a tiny laptop, right? Like it is. this is an ultra thin, like thinner than a MacBook Pro laptop, right? Like it is, it's tiny. So. Yeah, they could make it smaller, but they could make it smaller and offer a 20-hour battery or whatever, right? And people would still lose their minds. Mm -hmm. It's 13-inch as well. I mean, it's kind of wild, right? There's always a question of how powerful an ARM laptop can be, right? Like, you get all these benefits, but what are you losing? And I remember, you know, I I don't know what Qualcomm chips are like. I don't know what their power is like, but... Apple can make very good chips, right? Like the iPad Pro on Geekbench scores for what it's worth. Uh, they're comparable to a 2018 15-inch MacBook Pro. Like, I know that's not everything, but that's a darn good start, right? Yeah, I think I can assume that any Apple-designed processor running in a Mac is going to be as powerful or more powerful than the iPad Pro is, right? Yeah. And the iPad Pro is already more powerful than most PC laptops. So, um, and again, you know, it it is also going to be low power consumption. Apple has the bank cores so that they can crank up power consumption when they need speed and they can crank it right back down when they have to to the the efficiency cores in the processor. So they've done all this work. Um, I think the real question is just, I mean, there's, what are they going to prioritize? Battery life or lightness? They have room for both. To make both significantly better. I think what they want to say is that is that it's an all-day battery, which is, you know, 10 hours is not an all-day battery. It's an all-like work shift battery, but that's not quite the same. So if you could come out and say it's 18-hour battery life, 16-hour battery life, it wouldn't even need to be 23-hour battery life. You don't need 23. <laughs> it's great to have it, but you don't need that. Right. Yeah, I think that this is this is very exciting as a as a thing that exists yeah and, right and there are questions so i tweeted out this thing saying this is why apple's going to make an arm macbook and i guess people who have not been paying attention to this discussion then jump in on twitter and say well but what about but what about and it, it's my usual complaint about people who um think apple can do anything except when there's a problem that's mm-hmm. put to it they they tend to default to well i don't know if apple can do that <laughs> it's like well they look i think Apple is uh, full of clever people who can solve problems if it's to their benefit to do so. And this is one of those examples where it's like, well, what about uh, all the existing process, all the existing uh, apps that are written for Intel? It's like, okay, well, um, do we not think that everything is already built in Xcode? Do we not think that Apple would have a way to fairly easily recompile all that stuff? Do we not think Apple would have a code translator? Do we not think Apple would not have already, if they were planning a move, have analyzed all the things that they need to build to ease the transition to ARM from uh, from classic Mac OS, uh, like uh, Intel apps? Do we think that Apple would say it's the, a Mac, but it only runs things that are come from iOS or that are written in Swift? No, I don't think that. I think that Apple will provide compatibility beyond that. I think maybe the 64-bit transition is a part of that. 
Um, so I, I, I look at that and say, we can say, but what about software compatibility? My, my big picture answer is I'm confident Apple has it figured out. And that's, that's really all I have to say about it is that I'm sure Apple in every chip transition has found a way to maintain compatibility. Probably a lot of the moves they've been making technically in the background have been about maintaining compatibility in some way or other as they move to a new architecture. And if Apple sees benefits in creating a whole new series of laptops using their processors, and I think they do, I think we can all see what they are potentially, something like that's not going to get in their way. And I, I would expect that there will be a story that is relatively painless for developers and perhaps you know apps will do what they did the last chip transition which is unmodified apps will run slow and modified apps updated apps will then run fast that's what happens they'll do whatever they can to get 20 hours of battery like right like it's just like it will just happen and this is this type of thing it's like well this is the next generation of what a laptop can be like if you can start to get this do you not think that apple is looking i mean this already happened with the ipad pro where they they called out the ipad pro speed versus laptops right yeah do you think apple and its engineers on these on these arm chips are not sitting there saying these intel chips we're using are terrible <laughs> we yeah. can already do way better than them why are we not why are we still using their stuff and i i think that this is why um, Apple is almost inevitably going to move its consumer laptops, at the very least, to ARM uh, as soon as they can. And, you know, because then, again, they're going to control. Apple doesn't have to be limited by Intel's release schedule at that point, because I, I am sure that Apple feels constrained by Intel's processors and thinks that they can do a better job at those mobile processors than Intel can, because they already are, basically. So I, I just, you know... I don't know. I, I with all the effort that Apple is putting into the Mac now to change it and grow it and make it something new, which wasn't the case maybe a couple of years ago. It's just hard not to imagine that um, this is the next step that lets them do something that would really, I think, is is big for Apple's kind of pride, which is to be perceived as being way out ahead again. Um, you know, ironically, not really ahead right now, and matching up with Samsung is not way out ahead, but depending on what Apple does, they could at least feel like they're back out on the cutting edge if they have this incredible thin light, long battery life ARM laptop that's got great performance because of Apple's chip making prowess, et cetera, et cetera. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom. When you've been listening to the show, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't click that buy now button or read your latest blog post? You might stumble across this problem by luck. Maybe you get an email, maybe you get a tweet, but that's no good. You need a real system. You need something to tell you when everything's running smoothly on your website and maybe more importantly, when it's not. That's why you need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment that you have a problem on your site in whatever way is best for you. And it's super smart too. You can customize it to give the information about what's needed to solve an issue exactly to the people who need it, whether that's one person or your whole team. Pingdom are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable for everyone. They use more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every single minute. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor and they will take care of the rest. 
Don't risk being the last to know about something on your site breaking. Start monitoring your website today with Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and sign up for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get an amazing 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. Time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions. Brad wants to know, do you use iCloud documents and desktop sync? If not, why not? I absolutely don't. Um, I keep lots of big files. I wrote about this when it came out. I keep lots of big files on my desktop. Mm-hmm. I, my desktop is my current working uh, and I have no interest in iCloud attempting. And in fact, the last time I ch- checked, it was broken. Like, um, iCloud is trying to sync these files that are like logic projects with audio files and they're enormous so that it's going to sync really slowly. I don't need them to sync. I don't want them to sync. And Apple's response is basically, well, you either use this feature um, and change how you work or you don't use this feature. And I choose not to use that feature. It has no benefit to me. And in fact, it actually broke things when I did use it because um, of the way that an app like logic works. Apple, um, basically said, don't, you know, don't do that. Don't use logic in this way on, on the desktop. So I'm, I turned it off and I, I see no value in it. Honestly, I don't have another Mac that I use all the time that has the, even my laptop, like it doesn't have the disk space to mirror what's on my desktop anyway. I don't want it to be the same. So for me, it's irrelevant. It's just not a, a thing that I want. Yeah. I'm pretty much exactly the same. I don't, use my desktop as a place for important files it is purely for like projects in active work that mostly need to be completed on my iMac itself right and if i need to take an editing project and have it on my macbook pro i will put it in dropbox because dropbox can handle the syncing of logic projects mm-hmm. i do it all the time uh, <laughs> that's how me and gray edit we put a logic project in a dropbox shared folder i edit then he takes it and he edits and sends it back to me. Like it's just syncing. It is very dangerous. Like you cannot both open that project at the same time or horrific yes, things be, will happen. That would be bad. Yes. But it does, but uh, Dropbox can handle the syncing. And as you have pointed out, right, like through testing and just mentioned it there, iCloud can't. But like, yeah, it, for the same reasons, right? Like the type of stuff that I'm keeping on my, uh, on my desktop, it would just blow through the storage that I have. And I don't want to do that. Jonah has written in and said, Mike, I noticed a number of tweets from UK Twitter users saying that Apple Card is no big deal and has features that have been around for a while in the UK. What is your take? Is Apple Card innovative or just innovative for the US? So, one, to the last point, yes, definitely. Uh, Because the United States, I love America for many reasons. Banking is not a thing that is very advanced in America. Um, Everything about the financial process there is kind of held back, right? Like, contactless cards right like we all spoke about apple pay being accepted everywhere and still is like accepted basically everywhere in europe still not everywhere in america even if the contactless thing exists maybe it doesn't work maybe this chip maybe it's not maybe apple pay works maybe it doesn't did did you see there was a story in uh, the new york times about how they're updating they're going to get rid of the metro card which is a card with a magnetic stripe on it and they're going to go for for their public transit and they're going to a contactless system and apple pay works with it and it's this whole thing that they've they've taken way too long to do to go to a full contactless system great sounds great but there aren't contactless credit cards 
in America. They we made a run at it about five years ago, and then like it seems to have fallen off. And so one of the funny things that's happening is as a part of this transition, banks are sending chip cards with a contactless aspect with a contactless chip in it as well to people with zip codes in the area of the MTA in New York because (laughs) they're going to need it to tap to enter if they don't have a like Apple Pay kind of thing. And so, and I just laughed when I saw that because it's like literally, oh geez, I guess somebody wants contactless credit cards but they're not going to like send everybody a contactless credit card i think some some credit cards will let you request one some won't but apparently all the credit card manufacturers are like okay we got to send it to the people who live around new york city because they're going to need it to take the subway Mm -hmm. but uh it's so just uh it's ridiculous but uh so yes we're way behind too i think people a lot of people are talking about like the money management stuff right the grouping of transactions and all that kind of stuff this exists in many places in the uk but i have not seen any credit card company that does this so a lot of like debit card and like bank accounts like these new internet focused banks do this stuff but i've not seen any credit card that does it at least from any major provider um, but showing stuff about like the, how easy it is to repay and focusing on showing you what your interest is a lot of that stuff is pretty new especially in the credit card space even here but more than anything the integration and the way that everything works and the way that cashback works and that sort of stuff, that is that is pretty unique to Apple Card. Like it is an innovative product, especially in the credit mm-hmm. card space. Um, even if some of these features are available in some other types of banking products, um, I, I think that it's still an innovative product in its own way. I uh one more thing about the US banking system that you like as a former UK bank professional. We just set up our business to pay people via bank transfer, mm-hmm. basically, instead of writing them checks, um, which is like an extra fee to do this, to set it up at our our, uh, our bank. But we want to do it because we want to get stop writing checks because they're stupid. And we want to have it all be electronic transfers. And I'll tell you, Mike, the paperwork and confusion at major banks in America about how to set that up is amazing. I am convinced now that the American banking system is like layers and layers of tellers and and, uh, customer service people and computers and web interfaces. But at the core, there's like a guy wearing a like green eye shade and has like a little clicky clicky calculating Mm -hmm, machine mm -hmm. and some paper files. And in the end, you get this is actually how IDG's accounting system was too back in the day. Is like we had all these electronic things, but in the end, there was somebody in a room with paper who did everything. And and our experience setting up our electronic payment system uh, has not uh, dissuaded me from believing that in the end, the the American banking system is like eight people in a conference room with filing cabinets <laughs> and pencils. It is hilarious to me that you even had that like. You had to set it up that it wasn't just like a thing. Yeah, that that was my thing. Is like is like yes. Don't we just get? No, no, you don't just get. Don't, don't be wild. Is there a web interface where we? No, no, you have to fill out a form and then countersign it and then press this button and then click over here in a web portal that is clearly from like 1999. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, America a little behind the times in terms of financial products, but maybe maybe Apple will help drag us into the present. Let me tell you though, never spend too much time looking into or thinking about how banking actually works because it is a really horrifying thought about how money exists. 
it's not good to sit and think about that and you realize, hang on a minute, it's all just not... Anyway, let's not do this. I don't want to freak everybody out. You don't want to think about how the money actually works. Mm -hmm. Uh, Willis said, I have a Mac Mini that can no longer fit all of my photos library onto its hard drive. How would you go about backing up photos to a network network attached storage or online backup service as new photos are added to the Photos app without syncing the entire library to one Mac? Is that possible? No. No, okay. what you have to do is you have to buy an external drive that will fit your photos library. And then move it all? And then you need to back up the photos library using an online backup service. But you need to have, if you want to have a separate backup of all your photos outside of iCloud, you need to have a Mac with keep all photos turned on, synced to iCloud, and then back that library up. That's the only way you can do it. So if your Mac Mini won't fit your photos library anymore, the alternative would be you could take some portion of your library and export it um, and put it somewhere else, but then it's not in your photos library. I don't like that idea. I think you need to buy an external SSD. They're not that expensive. You attach it to your Mac Mini. I know it might be a little bit slower, but I feel like that's what you got to do if you want to do this because um, otherwise there's really no way to do it because... If Photos hasn't downloaded the full resolution version, you can't back it up anywhere else. And you can't, you know, that that's the bottom line is that Photos is going to have to back, is going to have to download the whole image and then you can back it up. And if you don't have room for Photos to download the whole image, then you can turn that feature off, but then it's going to be deleting things randomly and then your backups are going to be not a complete backup and you can't do that. So I, I'm I'm sorry to Jonah, but or not to Jonah, to Will, but this is what we have is you gotta you gotta have a disk big enough to contain your entire photos library if you want to do well, it this way. Will at least had all the component parts, right? He was talking about uh, an online backup service, talking about like using some kind of uh, network attached storage. It's like yeah, it's all of those things, just in a slightly different configuration. Yeah, yeah I mean, if if it's really no go, my next option is is again to export a bunch of your originals out of photos and delete them out of the photo library and then back those up a lot in lots of places. But you've just, and you could even put them in another iPhoto library somewhere else, but you're not going to have them in your iCloud photos library at that point, which is probably not what you want. So I think you just got to bite the bullet and get a, a, you know, external SSD or something. We've spoken about uh, security features in Catalina a lot, and Paul has a question. In Catalina, is there an equivalent of the iOS privacy settings that display so you can see which of your installed apps have permissions and what they're for? Do you, you follow what I'm asking? So like, you can go in and say, like, oh, I want to see what apps have the permission to use my microphone, for example. Does Catalina have this? It does. There, in the uh, security and privacy setting, there is an app view that will tell you what apps have for you know everything and in fact there's one that's a it'll it'll say like what folders it's got access to and all that stuff so it that is in the privacy tab of the security and privacy settings in catalina and forgo tuna fish asks uh what do you think i like this this is a crossover question what do you think the over under is on marco Ahmed buying both a mac pro and pro display at xdr on day one of them being available Well, I don't know how you set an over-under on Marco uh, on day one. Like, are we setting a time during day one at which he buys it or, or Let's what? Let's just or talk what are about the, you, our odds. Like, is it, what, what do we think? What do we think? What do we think is going to happen? What do we think Marco's going to do? I don't know about day one, but I reckon he's going to get both. Yeah. So 
I think if Marco was not, this is going to be my prediction. If Marco was not a podcaster and pundit and person who writes and talks about Apple a lot, I don't think he'd buy it. No. I, I, I don't. I don't think he'd buy it. But it's more I, I think than he's that. Happy with it's what more he's than got. that. It's not just being a podcaster. It is being a host of ATP. Because John is not buying it day one, no matter what. And I right. think it would be a travesty if at least one of them didn't have that Mac but Pro. Their entire the, show's identity is built around the Mac yes. Pro. One of them needs to get it. So right? I think. Well, that, that's true. That's true. My my larger point was just like I think that one of them needs to get it and it's going to be Marco presumably if John is not there on day one and John John is now talking about how he wants to make sure all the bugs are out of it and maybe he waits for the next he's version waffling. Or he's and I, I, don't, I don't believe I don't believe him but um, <laughs> if I were you know I, and I don't know how they run their business I imagine they just take their money and split it up if, if, if there was like an ATP Incorporated mm-hmm. I would as president of ATP Incorporated yes. I would authorize the purchase of a Mac Pro for John for ATP and say, here you go, you got. I Mac agree Pro. with but, you there. Yeah, I don't know. But how I feel like business, if if John is not doing that, um, I think our, Marco will get one just because um, he wants to have that experience. Who knows? Maybe he'll sell it to John or he'll he'll uh, return it. No, or there something was that like whole that. conversation. Do you remember? Which I completely agreed with. This was on like this was months ago or like weeks ago. Yeah, where that was something that John said was a possibility, and Marco was like, "There's no way I'm selling it to you." And I completely yeah, that's agree. True. Right? That's true. Because, because then I feel the guilt if it's a lemon. Ever yeah. went wrong with it? You even if no matter what John would say, you know that he would always blame you. Yeah. I don't care what yeah, he said in that regard. I know it. I would true. feel that way. He would be thinking. He'd be like, "Marco, Marco gave me this lemon computer for like 15 years." He would be mm-hmm. saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I think. Marco will buy a Mac Pro at some point in the first two weeks. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be day one, but I it I believe it will happen. I reckon he will have one on the day that they ship, though, right? Because it won't ship immediately. I reckon they'll take pre-orders for a bit, but I reckon he'll he'll have made his decision before the shipping window expires. The display now. I don't know if he would buy the display. I actually think there is more, there is a stronger chance of him buying the display than the Mac Pro even because he oh, would I buy agree. it for a laptop. I don't agree. I, I, think, I, I, don't I, I think he's very excited about the potential 16-inch laptop. And if he does that, he'd probably want a monitor and he doesn't want to use one of the LG ones, right? So he would get the Pro Display XDR. I think John will buy a Mac Pro in the first three months and he'll buy that LG display. Do you think he'll, he'll get the like, LG one? And he'll put like tape on it. I do. I do. I do. Because here's why. Unless Apple comes out with an Apple branded thing, which I don't think they are now that that LG thing got updated. Um, I think he will because he's going to want the Mac Pro and because he's not. John is a very practical person and I can't see John buying an inappropriate and expensive monitor but do for you himself. Think he could take it though. Like just from a design perspective. I don't I know. Think he, I, I think he's going to do stuff to try and mitigate it, and uh, then he'll complain about it. But, is uh, like, is $5,000 worth the opposite of being completely frustrated every single day for the next 10 years? If you're just joining us, this is the Accidental Tech Podcast fan podcast, where we talk <laughs> about what the posts on a different podcast are going to do with their technology buying decisions. Yep. Hi, Casey. 
Thank you so much to everybody who sent in questions today with the hashtag AskUpgrade. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget there is going to be a trailer at the end of this episode for our text adventure with... uh, crossover for members of Relay FM. Uh, so we're doing a crossover with the Cortex podcast, which I am also on, uh, where me and CGB Grey play a text adventure led by the Snellatron, which is Jason Snell, who is our mm-hmm. parser, which Beep is boop. always a wonderful thing uh, every year. So you can go uh, and sign up to become a Relay FM member. You can click the link in the show notes to do that, or you can go to relay.fm slash membership. But you're going to hear a trailer for that to entice you into becoming through a Relay FM member. And I think you will agree that once you hear it, you will in fact be enticed to get your hands on that episode or your ears on that episode in fact thank you so much to our sponsors this week the fine folk over at Eero Linode and Pingdom if you want to find Jason online you can go to sixcolors.com or theincomparable.com and Jason hosts many shows here at Relay FM like I do as well relay.fm slash shows where you can find those and many many more uh, Jason is at Jasonell um, on social media I am at imike I-M-Y-K-E and we'll be back next time until then say goodbye Jason Snell Goodbye, Mike Hurley. It's 1987, and Detective Jack Slade and his partner Jetta Chang must take down a crime boss and restore law and order. This is Danger Town Beatdown. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Mature 16 plus. You're roused from sleep by neon light streaming in through your window. It's 11.58 p.m. Time to start your day. Get coffee should be the should be the first thing to do. Should we see what's on the answering machine? A voice says, "Slade, you're gonna pay for shutting down our operation. We have your partner. Bring us the tape. Come alone." Uh oh. Open up. Let's talk. The man kicks down the door and enters, blocking the exit. We did that thing again where we took too long. He places an envelope on the table. Consider this in advance to cover gas and tolls. Oh, I'm slightly confused. We're trying to be paid off. They want us out of town. Oh, Somebody okay. does. I'm so naive. I didn't know. I yeah. didn't realize what was going on in this arrangement. The badge is a Santa Marina police detective's badge. Your badge. The gun is a loaded Beretta 92S. Your gun. You're outside a rundown apartment building. There is a strip club here. How quaint. Just like a Norman Rockwell painting. There's a bright neon sign and the words Tiger's Den. Well, uh, let's go to the strip club. See, that's some good detective work there, Mike. You have to inspect the strip club. Mm-hmm. All right, take a look at the wallet. Yeah, It contains a $100 bill and a California driver's license. Can we take that $100, Mike? No. That's not the bribe money. We don't need the money. Can we take the guy's ID? That seems like it might be useful. It doesn't really feel like stealing. That, that feels like evidence. Yeah, evidence. <laughs> you know, it would be evidence of bribery. The bribery money itself? <laughs> yeah. That's not how that works, I don't think. Some gang members loiter outside an arcade. Gang members, okay. I think they have little hello, I'm in a gang stickers on them, something to identify them as a gang member. Yeah, I mean, how else would you know, right? Yeah, they're color coordinated. That's how you know. Mm. They're all wearing pink. And Mm -hmm. that's how you know they're in the gang. Wave to gang members. They toss their cigarettes and head inside when they see you. Oh. Are you trying to figure out how to ask him if he's amenable to a bribe, Mike? Is that what you're doing in this moment? I'm trying to figure out if there's anything we can do other than bribe him. Ask O'Brien, can we take care of this in Fargo? (laughs) 
I don't understand that. I thought that was like the code. I have no idea how you've gone from not understanding the concept of a bribe to rolling out what phrases like that. Why is this so hard? I don't understand. <laughs> Look around the room. Bosti draws a Smith & Wesson 38 special, shoots you dead and escapes. The end.